welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Struzinski, and thanks so much for joining us on this first ever episode of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. I'm so excited that we're going to get to kick things off with Cards Chat ambassador Jeff Gross, a team party poker pro with over $5 million in lifetime earnings. Jeff's not only highly regarded at the felt, but also immensely popular away from the felt. One of the hardest working guys in poker today, we're all going to get to know him better. Jeff, welcome to Cards Chat, and thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Great to be here, and I look forward to it. Oh, this is awesome. So, so Jeff, you know, you're, you're pretty well known, but let's just start with something that um, maybe people don't necessarily know about. Let's go back to the first time you ever played poker in a casino or a card room. Where and when was that, and, and what was that experience like for you? Uh, well, the, I guess the first ever real card room that I was in was in, um, let's see, Soaring Eagle was the name of the casino. It was uh, Mount Pleasant, where the University, Western Michigan University is. Uh, as mm-hmm. uh, I believe you had to be 18. It was an Indian reservation, and I was probably 15, no, 16. I think, and I was going up there, and I, I used to go up there. It was a far drive, actually. One of my best friends, um, still to this day, uh, Gary Owen, and I would go up there, and, and Chris Iannuzzi, sometimes we would drive. I think it was like two, three-hour drive. I forget. It was far, and we would go, and it was limit hold'em that they had. But I think, you know, it was like 3-6, and at, at one point, I was playing 10-20 um, limit uh, there. And, and that was like the first poker real experience that I got to play uh, in a casino. So that was, uh, you know, a long time ago, like 17 years ago. What was that like, the, the experience of being in a casino for the first time and playing there? Uh, it, was, it was fun. You know, I just remember getting goosebumps, like, from the whole fake ID perspective. Like, it's like a long drive, you know, like, didn't really know what to expect. I had a friend who had been there before, said it was no problem, but, you know, you mm-hmm. go a long way. You're kind of like, already it's, it's exciting, dangerous, don't really, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to go in and maybe they don't accept it or, you know, you don't get in. And I just... I can't vividly tell you details of like the first time I ever sat down and what it was like. I do remember going up there, going up there several times. And I remember um, some of the hands and some of the beats and some of the, some of the intensity. (laughs) That was fun because this was like the legitimately starting of a bankroll, starting a plane where I was, you know, just putting some scrap together and going up there with a couple hundred bucks or 500 bucks. I forget 200 bucks, 300 bucks in playing. And, um, you know, it was, it was exciting, right? It was, it was unknown. I didn't know how to be a professional poker player. One day I didn't know what it would, really would entail. I just was excited, motivated, and uh, just remember kind of the butterflies of excitement and, you know, just the, the competition and all of it. It was great. It was a lot of fun. That's, that's really wonderful. And, you know, you talk about professional. Obviously, there was a, a period of time where you slowly but surely got more into the game, started enjoying it more, started winning more. At what sort of point or what time did you feel okay, maybe I'm no longer just like a noob or, or even a serious wreck. Maybe, okay, I'm a professional. I do this for a living. Like, what, what point was that for you? Um, you know, I, I was, I think so, Windsor, Canada, that was at 19 years old. You could be in, again, fake ID, but I think I was like 17 or 18 and going up there. Uh, I actually, the first time I ever went there, it was funny because it's less far, so less of an intense um you know, it was like 45 minutes roughly door-to-door from Ann Arbor, Michigan to go to well, – you have to cross the border, though. You have to go mm-hmm. to Canada and, and do that. And I remember going to the casino, on the, and I went with one of my friends um, at the time. Uh, also, I think it might have been – it was probably Gary the first time. But So what happened was he walked in. He got in. 
And then they said to me, do you have a second form of ID? And I was using a guy, I remember a kid's name was named Stuart Hedberg. It was funny because I had his, his ID, but I didn't have a second form. So I had to then drive back. I said, oh, let me get it in my car, but I didn't have anything. And then I oh drove back to Ann Arbor and went and met him, met up, got a second form, and then came back, like, you know, three hours later. Like, I had to That's drive amazing. back to Ann Arbor, drive back, and go in and... I don't even remember if it was the same ID person then or not. It didn't matter. I just like came, like came back and or said, oh, I don't have it. I'll be back. And, and, and then went there. But that was you know, the first time I started doing really well at this Windsor $1, $2 game. Um, and that, that was like kind of when I really was consistent and doing, you know, making money. And they had a little $500 tournament. I think I got final three. I can't remember if we made it. I don't remember exactly. But it was like I think I had like a 12K, 12K win at that point. And my dad was there. And, you know, he got to see it and it was fun and I was still very young. And it was just kind of uh, one of those things where I realized, like, all right, this is this is real. There's real money here. This, the players are pretty, I thought, not not super strong. And I just felt like I was going to do well. And, and that was like the first kind of taste hitting, getting 10K plus out of the bankroll and, and gave me some confidence. And, and that's when I sort of realized uh, there was a future here. That That's fascinating because... A lot of people, you know, a lot of the, the the big pros that we hear their names, you know, they're all professional and that's what they do. That's it. They're just professional. They play poker and, and that's what they continue doing. You continued and went to college, though. You went to University of South Carolina, Columbia. And yeah. I mean, like, I mean, how, how did you say, OK, well, I'm going to still go to university and I guess have something to fall back on? Or, or like, why didn't you just go okay, po- poker full time? Well, to be fair, so my my. Uh... My mother and father very, very heavy um, weighted towards education. My dad went to UPenn. My mom went to Brown. So Ivy League backgrounds. They were, they were always very, very supportive. Very, you know, how, like always not putting so much pressure. But there was, there was really never an option where I was just going to say I'm not going to college. And, and to be fair, the stakes I was playing at the time, um, you know, I wasn't playing super high stakes, and it wasn't clear that I would be able to make a living or that I would even do that. That was like, I was just kind of getting fairly serious and into it and exciting. But I was playing like $30, $50 tournaments online, maybe when I entered college and $1, $2. So it wasn't like, you know, I was playing high stakes and had a ridiculous amount of money made up, but it was always, I always wanted to go. I got a scholarship for soccer, a partial scholarship for academic and, and soccer. And South Carolina was one of the last places that I looked at. I uh, took a visit there. I really liked it. Wanted to go somewhere different, not go to Michigan, which was in my backyard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I really uh, just decided ultimately to go there. And I, I was on the soccer team, so it was great and really started to dive into poker. And, and I just never even considered not not finishing. It was just kind of fun, and, and I, I loved it and got to play cards plus be on, a, be on the sports team there. And it was just a really nice fit. I just kind of wrote it out. And I never once said, oh, I'm going to quit and, and stop going to school it just didn't really cross my mind that's really great and also like a really important message you know finish something you started um you you majored in marketing and management any reason you chose that and is there something you know that really stands out as something you really learned from your degree studies that you've taken with you it was marketing management and a minor in entrepreneurship and um not really just other than i always knew i love you know i love I love uh, creating. I love people. I love um, just kind of that. That that was the clear choice for me. You know, being doing some business related stuff as well, and and just that I wanted to to focus on that area. But there was nothing in particular that stood out. I, I personally believe now. Of course, if you go to you know, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, uh, mm-hmm. one of the better schools, 
in the in the country. I think there's there's some differences, but you know, ultimately, I just I feel that as a whole, college is a great experience. I just feel like U.S. is so unique; it's very different than other parts of the world, from what I understand. And how college is, right? Like, and that's not many places you go and there's fraternities and there's dorms and people go and live there. And it's like, it's almost like a, a bizarre thing, right? It's not really, right. but I think it's, I think it's great. Like you, you get, you get independent, you get separate, you get to make friends, you get to kind of grow up. It's almost like, like a prep before getting put in the real world. But I truly believe that it doesn't really matter where you go to school, except for our, uh, throughout the top few schools. And, and even then it's a lot about networking and about, um, contacts, right? So it's like a lot of the stuff in college, in my opinion, is just sort of developing yourself as a person and just sort of, uh, I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's super important in terms of like what happens in the future, but I think it gives you a, a bit of a time period to, to learn about yourself, develop, be independent and have some structure. But like ultimately in classes and what you learn, you know, even like now, you know, if you look back, it's kind of funny because like through high school, you know, you got to get your GPA. What, what scores you get on tests to get into college. When you get into college and you finish, you know, whether you got a 3.9 or a 2.6 and you graduate, like there's, you know, who cares? No one knows. There's no scorecard. Like I, I have no idea. I don't even know where you get your grades. Like the, the people looking at jobs, you know, I don't know. Maybe, I mean, I, I actually not being not the best to talk about it because I, I didn't go in and get a job out of college. But from what I am told and how, I, how it's understood, it's like it usually is not, you're not like looking at your, your grades per, per se for a lot of the jobs. It's like, did you get a degree? Did you not? And it seems to be uh, a bit overrated in that in that sense. I just think that college is a great experience, and and um, yeah, I just think you get a lot of lessons and, and friendships, and sort of uh, build yourself as a as a person during that time period. For sure. And you did mention structure kind of leads in a little bit to to my next question. I know you've got sort of a lot of a uh, finger in a lot of pies, a lot of stuff going in the air. You know, you're on the move. You're doing a lot of traveling to play and to and to do your other work. You're streaming. Um, I'm just wondering, is there such a thing nowadays as like a typical day for Jeff Gross? So like, do you have any sort of routines that you stick to, you know, no matter where you are in the world? Or is it like, okay, who knows what, you know, what, what's going to be, you know, today or this week or that sort of thing? Um, there's, there's not really, uh, I, I wouldn't say there's a set routine. I mean, I generally try to stream on Sundays no matter what, like almost, you know, assuming that I'm, where, I'm able to where I am to play. I try then to, I try to do like one or two podcasts a week now. I've been averaging maybe two this year. I think that, that or one and a half probably. I try to do at least one, if not two. I might move it up to three depending because I really am enjoying it more and more and, and sort of after, you know, so it takes a while to start something, but once it gets going, now I have 73 podcasts. Uh, yep. it, it's sort of, uh, it's fun and I see a lot of value in it and I see a lot of um, engagement and interest. And for me, it's fun too because a lot of people, it's people I know or respect and like, and I just kind of, it's nice to catch up with them. It's nice to also, even people I feel like I know relatively well, I may not know a lot about them in, or, or, or they, I get to learn something new about them. So from that aspect, I like it, but I don't really have, um, I would say like Wednesdays and, and Fridays, I try to do podcasts, Sunday stream, Saturday, I generally like to take off um, with the family, no matter what. Uh, sure. Of course, like WPT series coming up to hundred million on party, I'll uh, be streaming more and during COVID time, like at least for the first two months, I really was streaming more often than I had been. Um, but yeah, I, w I would say I don't really have a structured day to day. Like I, I don't have every week and the same and, and other than like those Sundays and, and try to get some podcasts in. Uh, I, I really do. I, I have a lot of different different things going and it doesn't really allow for a set schedule. 
And you and you like that? You like the sort of the freeness to you know make your own schedule and decide what you want to do, or or do you kind of miss a little bit of structure? Um, I, I like being on the fly. You know, like again, I like nine to five just never was my thing. I have uh, respect for people that do it, and I think that it makes a lot of sense in some ways. Like it's just not for me because I you know I think I work a lot more than nine to five. It's just I do different times, different different pockets, and different things. Like I'm almost never off. Like I'm just kind of always got something I'm working on or talking to or, or doing. And if anything, it might be a little bit of a, you know, try to disconnect. Like one of the things, especially with having a son now who's 14 months old, um, you know, there's, there's a, that's one of the most rewarding things is being able to be flexible and be able to not be set on something. But at the same time, I do find, you know, I like to make sure I, when I do disconnect or if I spend time to just put the phone away or, you know, try to not, it's not like I'm with him, but on my phone or doing stuff. Cause I just feel like it's a, uh, I'm a big believer in quality over quantity. So, you know, some people might argue that you all like, if you have help or a nanny or if you have this or if you're not with your kid all the time, it's like not ideal. But how I look at stuff like that is I'd much rather be with my son for a certain amount of time a day where it's just where I'm relaxed. I have all my other stuff taken care of. I'm not stressed and I'm able to give him undivided attention and stuff versus like parents who, are, and again, teach his own, not right or wrong, but in my opinion, mm-hmm. I just like someone's like, say, oh, I'm with my kids here all the time, but like you're on your phone, you're playing, you know, on an iPad or you're on the computer while you're like, they're on the corner over there and you're sitting next to them. I, mean, I, don't, I don't find that like, I wouldn't say that's better than being with your son or daughter less, but more focused and directed and, 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 and uh, informed, instructional and, and quality. You know, so I guess again, that teach his own. But I just feel like that's something that I try to work on. And it's it's tricky because as being, I don't even want to say a young dad. I don't know what's the normal these days. But <laughs> you know, I, I feel like I'm still relatively young. And, and uh, my son, I don't want to miss stuff. Like, because it's I, Bill Perkins, one of my really close friends, just wrote the book, Dive Zero, covers that. And we talked about it recently and how he, you know, I just like always like talking to Bill because his perspective and how he articulates things are very clear. But you, know, you go through different phases in your life. When you're when you're 10 years old, you have a best friend. I don't know. You might probably maybe don't talk to him now or, or as much. Or you guys are doing stuff or playing a certain game or doing a certain thing. And then you're in high school, you're in college, you have your friends, your routine. Then you're single for a while, ideally. Um, not everyone. Some people just you know go marry right away or do whatever. But if you have a, these different pockets, right? Looking at my life up to this point, single, doing this, playing poker a lot, traveling. Yeah, yeah. I meet my now wife. Uh, th- things are different for those time periods. What I was doing, how I was doing it. Now I have a son. Things are different, and these are phases of your life. So it's like it's it's just different times you get to enjoy, but it passes. Like you're, you know, my son will be. He started walking, and then he's going to be talking, and then he's going to be having friends, and then he's going to be in high school and college, and then they're out of the house. It's like so you only have these set phases of your life to like enjoy and to be a be present in those pockets like if you really think about it what that means it's different like all different things are different periods are just able to be done differently so it's like right now i feel i'm in an interesting spot i've worked hard in poker i've worked hard in um you know doing various programs twitch youtube uh, i work co-manage with party folks so like i had all this stuff i'm like entrenched in and really kind of coming to fruition now but then it's like i also have my family so it's like how do you balance where you know is doing an extra podcast guest or getting an extra YouTube thing or answering that extra email, you know, where does that stack up to? Well, okay, I'm missing this afternoon with my son. 
I'm not with him for that, or I go on a, or you go on a trip or go play a tournament, right? So it's like it's like different periods of time or different things are are different. And how do you gotta kind of, you know, it's easy to just sort of be go through the motions and and, and like the Ferris Bueller quote, you know, life moves pretty fast, you don't stop and blink, you know, that, that kind of thing really stands sure. out to me. Great movie and, and great quote, but you know, stuff stuff really does go. Like time goes, time time passes, and it's uh if you're lucky enough to do what you love and have things that you can always be doing, which is great, you know, it's still important. You gotta remember, like your parents get older, you have relatives, you have your best friends, you have people, and it's like and you have your your own family and, and there's not time you only have so much time. So you gotta kind of find the balance. And I think it's easy to get lost and obsessed. And and some of the people that are the most successful people in the world, athletics, business, acting, you know, people that you may have know, you know, it's, it's, it's tricky if, if you do more than if you, if you're the best at something, you're often really dedicated to that craft and other areas of life likely can suffer or not get the proper attention. Um, you know, especially if you're doing so many things. So it's just kind of a tricky balance to, to really, to understand, like, are you setting up for your future, putting the grind in now, but you're going to sacrifice some things because you just can't do everything to the max. So I think that's sort of a, uh, really what life is about is finding, you know, being aware, being alert, be, trying to get the best balance as possible, but also being realistic that, you know, certain periods are only available in that pocket. You can't go back and redo your, your, your uh, son or daughter's first, first year to second year. Like those are times and moments that you only get once. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting balance. Like in my head, I always thought I would just be a dad around like 36, 37. I'm talking like, 10, 15 years ago, sort of when I started thinking about it, or some of my friends started having babies, and I saw how mm-hmm. how difficult it was, you know, how right. much time um, sacrifice it was, how tired they were, how uh, how tricky it was. And I was like, man, that looks fun, like it looks great, but it looks also like I don't want to do that right now. But you know, you can't <laughs> tell when you meet your significant other, when you have kids, like these type of things are you can't really script out. Um, For sure. Exactly. So it's just sort of uh, trying to do your best and, and being realistic with. Man, that that's a a really deep answer. I love it, and I think uh, you and I certainly see eye to eye on that. And it's really awesome to hear someone who, at least in my opinion, really has their priorities straight. Uh, I think a lot of folks in their thirties, and I'm in my late thirties now, but you know, I have three kids, and I know exactly what you mean. I think uh, you know a lot of people in the cards chat community can identify with that as well. You know, mothers, fathers, uh, and, and knowing you know what is what is the most important thing. Uh, we'll shift a little bit more to more of the poker stuff, but there's one question that, uh, you know, this is our first episode of Cards Chat. Uh, we're going to ask some questions to all of our guests. Uh, one of them, and I, you know, I actually, during my research, I encountered the answer, so I'll just ask why. Your favorite place to play poker, uh, I see here, is the Playground Poker Club in Montreal. First of all, is that still accurate? Yes. Okay, yeah. so so why is that? Why Montreal? Well, first of all, I think Montreal is maybe the greatest city in the world, if not one of the top few, at least that I've been to. And and I think people that have been there would utter the same sentiment, um, other than it's very cold. So, you know, that that's like <laughs> the, the, say, call it October, November to you know March. It's, it's not ideal. But, um, you know, I think it's just it's like one of the only cities in North America that has a European vibe. It's very, very classic. The pricing's great. Everyone, like some in the water, just beautiful people. Uh, very healthy lifestyle. Very, it's very nice. The great restaurants, great nightlife. Um, and in terms of the poker room, you know, I know those guys. I've been going since 2012 when I went with Antonio. Him and Falak had a deal there, and then I got brought in. I and I had a my first time there. 
I hit, I hit one of my biggest scores and got a third in the WPT. Um, and, and so, you know, I've had two of my biggest scores there. But for, apart from that, just from feeling kind of nostalgia and just having good results there, it's uh, the, the poker room's incredible. Like the, the details, I don't know if you got a chance to be there, um, but the, the, the chairs are incredible. All the way from like... It's, the, it's the, fun. The Everyone does talk about those chairs. I've seen yeah, a lot of like chairs. They have a button on the table. So if you want service, there's like a light that goes up from the back of the chair in the air. Awesome. It's super simple, but it makes so much sense. So a green light means a server come over. They have young waitresses active. There's a ton of them. They come. They're instantly there. The food is good. It's free for the most part. I think if you, you know, have a card or you play and the stuff, uh, it's, it's reasonably priced. And they have um, it's just everything. It's beautiful. The tables are nice. The chips are nice. The service is amazing. I mean, I just, I could go on and on, but it's a, uh, and it's also, it's just been poker and, you know, no um, crafts, roulette and stuff. And so then their right. models for players, by players. And I, I could, I can talk to you about, we could do a full podcast on this place, but yeah, it's <laughs> just a, uh, it's a great, it's a great venue and the city's incredible. So I, I always, awesome. I was going two to four times a year, you know, this year, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but I've, every year I've been, you know, going multiple times and, and it's, it's really enjoyable. I'll have to make sure to try to put that a little higher up on my must-get-to list. You know, so yeah. that, that you yeah. certainly did a good ad there. Um, you mentioned um, Party Poker. Of course, we're going to talk your Party Poker team pro. But uh, your official title is a co-managing director of Party Poker Team Online at Party yeah. Poker Live. Now, that's a mouthful, but that's much more than just saying, okay, sponsored pro. So what, what exactly is your role with Party Poker? Yeah, so I work directly with Rob Young. So I basically I help him with with the social media content, um, a bunch of different stuff. You know, I, so J, how it started was, I mean, it's a long story in itself. But I, I was with Poker Stars until mm-hmm. I was up for renewal in January of 20, uh, 2019. I was at the Bahamas. They had their big special twenty five k PSPC. Um, and I had my meetings with them and my, I was renewing January 31st. Like I, I had a contract on the table to, to resign. And, you know, it's just kind of, this is like sort of a side note, but also a little bit of a lesson too, because two of the biggest moments that I've had in my life in terms of poker kind of seemed like, um, you know, that in the moment was really not ideal and, and difficult and looked terrible. It turned out to be great. But, you know, one first one being Black Friday in mm-hmm. April 2011, when they, you know, I was playing online poker and they basically overnight, you just woke up and accounts were closed and uh, now you can't play in the U S and it was like a big, big ordeal. So that was pretty, pretty dramatic, which I thought was terrible, but I was not very healthy at the time. I was living with Michael Phelps in Baltimore and just basically I was playing poker every day, ordering Chinese food and playing beer pong, going to bed at 3 (laughs) a.m., waking up and doing the same thing again every day. And I was, uh, and, and don't let me compartmentalize him with that because he was waking up at 6 a.m. and training twice a day and the best athlete in the world. So you know, I'm not saying that's what we were doing. That's what I was doing while I was living with him. Um, but uh, the the uh, so that that appeared to be bad, but really it shifted me and got me to start doing other things and traveling and playing live poker. So what in the moment seemed terrible was amazing and it probably saved my life in terms of uh the course it took at least. So that's one. And then two was being in the Bahamas last year when I was playing poker and I was in a private game. It was on a boat right outside in the Harbor in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And it was a pretty big game. And I lost the pot where I got to play. I brought a couple of friends that were non-professionals. That's generally how the live, you know, the cash game circuits work. You, sure. you get to play, you got to bring some value. You know, they're not going to let known pros in just to play generally. Um, but so I got to play in the game. I brought two of my friends uh, the first night. Now, um, what ended up happening was 
I got it in with pocket aces, all in pre versus Rob Young's Kings for, it was like a 330, 300 and some, almost about 340,000 US dollar pot. And um, he made quad Kings. He only runs it one time. I asked him if he would run it twice. And he said, I always run it once. I'm sorry. Basically just like, you know, by his default, right? Which makes sense. Because sure. if someone asks you, I respect that from people that do always once, right. always Consistency. twice. Sure. It's like, oh, I like this guy or I don't like this guy or, you know, I'm ahead, I'm behind, like whatever. It's just sort of his rule. So what am I going to say? You know, the guy, the guy wants to run it once, we run it once, flops a king, rivers a king. And that was pretty brutal. I ended up having a bad first night. I, my friends weren't able to play again. Um, you know, and, and, and I actually got invited back because I was stuck. So they, you know, that a courtesy to let me play again. So I got to spend the 10 hours with Rob the next day. You know, one, uh, Andrew Robo was joking around about, oh, you should, you should hire Jeff with his own money. Um, you should get <laughs> streams on Twitch and, and, and pay him whatever. And you started joking around and, you know, here's the thing. Party Poker had not had a, a, um, a Twitch team, really. They just they weren't really relevant in the space, but it wasn't because Rob or Party Poker was un- unaware or, or uh, oblivious. It was that Rob Hole's thing was, I don't want to pay money for a team and showcase our stuff when he didn't, the, the guarantees weren't quite there and the software was really inferior. It wasn't up mm-hmm. to snuff, it wasn't ready. So his whole thing was he just hadn't really given it much attention because he didn't think it was ready. So, you know, right place, right time. He was sort of, look ready for some uh, change and he was thought it was about time to get going and then you know i had played a big game actually a playground poker with antonio spandiari and rob sam trickett maybe two years before but i didn't have rob's number there was no reach out to me from rob or, or someone else at party trying to hey let's talk about whatever he had no idea what my stars deal was he had no idea when my contract was I hadn't even thought about it. so this was like you know not that it just as like a side note this was literally would, I would never be with party poker and I would never have even had a conversation had I not lost that pot. If I win the pot, I don't get to play again. That's probably it. Like in terms of that, that in their interaction, but I had like two meetings with them that week. He then flew to Miami after the Bahamas and, and said, let's do a deal. What does it take for you to come over? And I said, look, you need to get, this is what we need. We need Jamie Staples. Uh, here's, there's a couple others. Kevin Martin ended up coming over. Then I said, we got to get Pav and Matt. These are two of the best, most talented, hungry, young, Good streamers. You can't just come over. I'm not going to do it. Even me and Jamie alone, you know, Lex, Spint, and Spraggy were big. I mean, Lex is, you know, is currently number one, and Spint and Spraggy were in the mix at that time as well. And, you know, I just said to him, look, if, if you want to be competitive, you you, you got to shake it up. You can't just take one or two guys. Like, you got to you got to have some sort of team. You got to have some sort of uh, presence, and this is what it takes. And so we ended up basically talking, and I said, I want, I'm not going to call if Jamie doesn't go. Um, you know, I want him to uh, be involved. And, and Jamie and I had already collaborated on Streamhouse, Streamboat, very, sure. very motivated guy, as you know, in poker and does a ton. And just yep. me and him are really close and, and see things eye to eye. And then next thing you know, we, we all started talking. And it was just kind of like crazy timing because Jamie's contract and Kevin's contract were up in January as well. This is like wow. completely random that this is like when it was able to even happen. And then uh, we, we went from... Um, we kind of went from there and, uh, and then we started talking and then we said, all right, we, we'll manage this. We'll do that. And then sort of looking at what my strengths are in relationships mm-hmm. and contact and media. So we co-managed team online. 
to be fair, Jamie has more of an active role in day to day on the team and talking and meetings and things with the within the group. You know, I help, I, I do stuff too, but I, I help Rob uh, kind of more directly and 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 collaborate on some special events and projects and ideas, and I've helped with some some other stuff too. But so I, I work directly with Rob and, and really just try to make sure parties on the right track and and that we um, you know we're, we're moving the right direction and that that's Fantastic. like in role. Fantastic. Um, well, obviously, you know, you, you did mention stars and I know you've uh, mentioned, you know, you've been sponsored or have worked with other online poker companies as well, besides party, besides uh, stars. What do you think makes Jeff Gross a good catch to represent an online poker company that you've been in demand for so many years? Well, I mean, again, it's a, as you sort of set me up here, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not like, uh, in terms of, I set you up on purpose. Just, yeah, no, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I'll just tell you what I offer. Here's what I believe that I offer is unique um, in the poker space. If you were to take Twitch, YouTube, podcasting, uh, social media, Instagram, all these different things, you know, I, I believe that uh, in terms of in commentary as well, like I do stuff with Triton, I do stuff with WPT, WSOP. Yep. So like I just feel that I've, I've got a unique um, ability of but like sort of being in the middle where like the new up-and-coming rising stars. I have relationships in contact with them. And then you go to like guys like Antonio Spandiari is one of my best friends, um, Brian Rass, you know, Phil Locke, uh, Phil Helm, Daniel Negroni, these guys who I have good relationships with or some of my closest friends in poker that are sort of the older um, generation or sort of the original guys in poker. So I, I kind of am like a hybrid in between and, and just the ability to like, I have live, I played high stakes tournaments, high stakes cash. I I'm able to, I'll play also low, whatever I, I have a you know, stream, on Twitch, I have 73 podcast episodes in the books now. Um, yeah, I just think I'm diverse. I think I'm unique and I'm like kind of a utility person. I can really uh, be called on to do various different roles. And you know, I, I like to uh, stay in it. And, and I don't think anyone can outwork me in terms of um, just overall being in tune to what's going on in the industry. I think there's like really only a handful of guys that you could even throw in the conversation uh, that are either you know dominant within one area like Lex on Twitch, you got Andrew Nimi on YouTube, you know, Jamie, I think is one of the few that's sort of a hybrid as well. He's just mm-hmm. kind of able to do various different things and, and it's just a workhorse just doesn't, doesn't stop. Uh, Joey Ingram, you know, to content, like you know, I, I think you got to throw his name out there in terms of someone who's just really out there for the people, really out there for poker, for the best, um, looks out, um, unselfishly, uh, and just, uh, you know, he like like that. There's just not a lot of guys that are just grinding and constantly outputting, giving, giving, giving. Uh, yep. and, and if they are, like they maybe are dominant in one specific space, which is great. Right. Like I, I believe in that. I think I think you could argue that focusing and being direct in one area is maybe like recommended uh, overall. But I, I also just feel like I'm I'm very strong in many categories, but not just focused on one. So I just think I bring that unique. Um, uniqueness to the to the sort of uh to a to a company you know and again i think i just like if someone asked me you know, like we were trying to do this i just show up if someone rob says he needs something if someone says they need something like i you know i make sure i get it done and and i, and I make myself available and, and i'm just constantly trying to move the game forward love it and i don't think that's bragging at all i think it'd be very difficult for anyone to argue with that because it's just the truth and, and good on you. And absolutely. I, I, I would agree with it. And it's a really good self-assessment. Uh, you mentioned, you know, the Jeff Gross, Gross podcast, you know, at, at the time of this recording, you've done 73 episodes. I think that's pretty awesome. I'm wondering what made you decide to start the show in the first place? 
That's a good question. I'm trying to think back what actually triggered me. You know, there's there's talks that are run up Reno, run up Reno. I think I'm trying to think who actually came, who was thinking about it. But I think we were talking. I think I I was telling Jamie maybe I wanted to start a podcast. He had said he was thinking about it. We were gonna do one together. He he brought up the idea that we should do one together. Um, I don't know who, I think, I can't remember. I think I brought up the idea about the podcast, but he was like, oh, like that's a great idea. I've thought about it too. Maybe we should do it together. The problem is he's over in the UK, the time zones. And then, you know, it's already hard to, to get podcasts off the ground. You got to coordinate with people. You got to come up with the stuff. You got to do it. But then if you're working on three people's schedule, all right, this time there, you know, he's streaming, I'm streaming. This guest is in, the in, let's say, PST, I'm in EST. Jamie's in UK. It's like almost impossible. Plus, you know, I just think like, my again my net like i started a new podcast i didn't want to do a poker specific podcast because that's why i started so i had a choice to either start with my jeff gross poker youtube channel and i could just like turn on to what i built there and make that like an audience and have probably you know better viewership of course because i would have go live and it'd be a a real fun i said you know what i'm gonna start from scratch a new channel just podcasting called jeff gross podcast and i will because i don't want to just be uh, pigeonholed into poker like there's i could do a thousand on poker of uh, interesting and people i like and respect uh, but i wanted to kind of branch out and i just want to make it more you know something that i want to have where i long term and i don't have to be waiting on anybody i can just kind of fire up and do it if i want and like i said hopefully i'll play poker forever as long as i'm alive to some capacity but who knows maybe i'll shift into more of a podcasting down the line i want to have the the uh, flexibility and options to do it and i just kind of realized so many people that i respect and like and know and have such interesting stories. Now, the goal of my podcast is really to motivate and inspire and just kind of find people that are successful in whatever that is. Like I've had chefs on, um, you know, people that are uh, like my, my guest today, JJ Reed, just kind of uh, all around as a mentor, life coach. He calls himself a peopleologist, marketing guru. But I've known him. I know he's special <laughs> and interesting. And I want to talk to him. I want people to hear it. Maybe I'll trigger something within with someone who's like, in a rut or not sure what to do and maybe like, Oh, I want to be, I can be a chef. I like cooking or, Oh, I want to be a, a life coach or, you know, Elliot Rose been on or Bill Perkins, um, Rob Young, uh, Mitch Garber, who sold sure. and Cirque du Soleil and, and, and uh, sold Platika crashed out. they like business people as well. I want to, I want to just kind of uh, athletes, you know, I'm have some pretty big names and well-known people on, which is exciting, but I also don't care. Like if I like someone and I know them and I think they're interesting, I'll, I want to talk to them. I don't. I don't care if they're a celebrity athlete or just someone that I have come across that I believe is is uh, powerful, motivating. I, I want to have. Uh, I want to talk to them. And, and that's awesome. That's- and it's definitely an interesting podcast. You said seventy three episodes now. I'm curious. I know you've been interviewed a number of times. You're being interviewed now, and now you've been on the other side of the mic. Uh, which side uh, do you like uh, being on more, the host or the interviewee? I like hosting for sure more. I think because you know interviewing is fun. A lot of the stuff is is. I don't want to say repetitive because I, I do notice in any interview, it's like depending on the questions, the direction, you know, you can go a lot of way. And obviously I like to talk and, and can talk about one thing for a long time. So it's like, I don't mind. And it's interesting. And I like hearing, I also like hearing interviews because it gives me ideas um, for questions too, that, uh, that maybe I haven't thought of or I end up using. But uh, to, to me, doing the interview is much more fun because I, I, I really look at it as like a learning similar to doing commentary. Like I enjoy commentary because I'm watching generally especially in some of the high rollers, the best in the world compete. And I'm learning too. So same thing when I'm podcasting, I am talking to the most interesting people 
uh, let's just say the poker part, which is probably two thirds poker. Um, you know, I'm talking to some of the best in the world, whether online, live, or whatever cash game, um, PLO, no limit tournaments. And I'm speaking to them. I say, how many tables do you play? How did you start? What do you think's happening right now? What's you know? So like, I'm actually as well selfishly uh, is 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 learning and taking sort of you know getting Darren Elias or um, you know. What you know, the list of Fedor Holtz and you know, BBZ and Chance Cornet and like it's interesting to me because I get to get to talk to them and get to hear because people you'd be surprised how willing they are to reveal information or talk like people generally are you know, they keep to themselves but if you ask someone a question about uh, a little part you know they're not giving away their playbook playbook by answering one or two questions on a topic so like you talk to the best in the world at, at what they're doing and maybe. You, you get a little bit that you can incorporate into your day-to-day. So uh, I enjoy awesome. that as well. Yep, no, I, that certainly resonates uh, with me, that's for sure. Um, well, Cards Chat is the friendliest poker podcast in town. So one of the questions we'll also be asking all of our uh, interviewees is, who's the friendliest competitor you've ever had with you seated at the table? Friendliest competitor, just in, in terms of like a friendly person. Someone you enjoy sitting next to at the table, like you know, oh, I'd love to have him at my table. He's just, you know, or she is just awesome. Interesting. I've been. I feel like I'm a bit, a bit removed, especially with COVID, in terms of sitting down or chatting, mm-hmm. or playing live. I'm trying to think. I mean, there's, there's definitely you know the nicest guys in poker. You could, you could, you could rattle off uh, a list of that. I'm just trying to think of people that are fun or that I really enjoy that um, when I'm there? Um, hmm, it's a good question. I would say, <laughs> I would I would say like, I, I enjoy Negreanu and Antonio the most. I just think overall for like a game, just being, you know, in terms of being chatty and fun and, and sort of uh, good for, for poker. I mean, those are obviously two of the more well-known names. I could I could rattle off some names that are less. Well, that's uh, legit. No, I mean, who would enjoy sitting next to them? They're fun. Any the way they, they, they approach it and, make people comfortable and just also kind of uh, have fun and like, uh, you know, they get a table talking. They're able to break people out of their shell and make it interesting. Cause I do think that's part of the problem is a lot of the high rollers uh, tournaments and some of the categories, like, it's a little too serious and too mm-hmm. slow. And I think when you have people that are able to um, sort of break that down a bit, that that's, that's very good for the game. Awesome. Uh, well, you know, speaking of cards chat, we did mention uh, at the outset, you are a cards chat ambassador, uh, you joined the team back in 2015. Maybe you can share your impressions of the Cards Chat community. What do you enjoy being a member of the Cards Chat community? Yeah, I love it. Cards Chat's great. I mean, I, I had, I had uh, gotten in touch um, with them and, and sort of went back and forth, and then we figured something out. And I really like you – know, I, I actually was never a 2 plus 2 guy. Pocket 5s I used some. Um, but not for like forums or chatting, just I uh, like the, the site. But, um, you know, for Cards Chat, I – was more gotten more familiar with it saw some some about it i just love the sort of the it's a a little more beginners i think like people getting into poker i just think it's a great place to start and learn and the forums like i haven't asked me anything for them and i love the questions i love the the enthusiasm i love the you know the vulnerability people wanting to learn and talk about hands and ask for feedback so i think that uh that that is a really it's a cool way they do it and you know debbie there have a great relationship with she's she is uh very you know positive just loves poker i think it's just, the, the truth is they love poker and that's what cards yep. says that's about poker it's about learning and it's uh it's it's great i, I enjoy it a lot and what would you say that uh being a cards chat ambassador wearing that patch at the table what does what does that mean or represent to you 
I think it means it, it's a it's a stamp of credibility. I think showing that you know this is a site where hundreds and hundreds of thousands of members and people looking for information and content sort of shows that all right, here's a player that is a uh, a reference point. If you want, you know, he represents the brand well. He's positive. He enjoys people. He enjoys conversation, and he knows what he's talking about. So, um, you know, he's someone you can you can say hello to if you ever saw him at a table, and he's someone that's uh, there to to help you and make your poker journey enjoyable. So that that's that's to me what that uh, represents. And I think the ambassadors they have are great. Uh, the other ones that I know of, and I think yep. maybe there's probably some more in the works. But you know, they, you know Ryan Laplante. For example, another he's uh, it's positive, right? They have guys yep. that are really willing to help and go out of their way uh, for others. So I think it's a great, great group and a great uh, team that they have. For sure. And uh, you know we're we're winding down. Don't have that much time left. And of course, you know we know you're a very busy man. So we'll try to. God, man, I have like I feel like I could go on and on for another couple hours. This is just first of all, I'm enjoying it and just uh, lo- love learning more about you, Jeff. So. Um, we'll try to just get a few of them in here before uh, we have to we have to wrap it up. Um, you mentioned Elliot Rowe, and uh, he's you know quite well known as a uh, a mindset coach in the poker industry. Well, what is it that, that sort of made you feel the need to reach out to him and begin getting coached? And and maybe you can share what sort of tools that you feel he equipped you with, uh, you know, since you started working with him. Um. Yeah. So Elliot Rowe was I've seen the name around. There's a few mental or mind, I guess mental mind coaches, however you describe it, that I've heard in the, in the poker space in particular. Um, obviously, Fedor Holtz having tremendous success, kind of partnering with him and being being uh, involved with Prime Mind and some other stuff. Like I saw that, you know, immediately got credibility there. Uh, one of my other really close friends, Charles Hook, uh, who, you know, had a, has battled and gone different ways. Like I see just the the focus and the level like i basically work off results right like so i, I just mm-hmm. know for that he had he had highly recommended him and, and had a uh, great success with him and you know for me when it's someone like fedor for who i've now gotten to know much better and we're friendly but like someone who's actually a good friend of mine that i know can speak truthfully highly and is someone who's you know per bought into it paid for it used it and swears by it with no ulterior motive to me that that was really all I needed. And, you know, I, I actually, it was funny the first day I ever got in touch with him and we had a call and I did like the, uh, sort of self-diagnostic test where you, mm-hmm. I'd never done one of those before. And then you answer all those questions and it basically tells you your personality kind of thing, which was interesting. And then the first day that I called him and we had a talk on the phone was the day I found out my wife was pregnant. So that was oh, interesting. Wow. <laughs> and she came, you know, at a restaurant, slid the test over to me and told me and it was uh, pretty pretty crazy and then I had a call a couple hours later so I was already sort of a uh, you know happy and energetic um, and I was feeling really positive and motivated uh, but he he helped me realize a couple things and he really breaks it down um, breaks things down really really clearly and cleanly and lets you sort of talk and then listens and lets you hear back so you know I, I could there's one thing in particular that really opened my eyes and, and that I was really grateful for and to, to realize and learn with him but um you know, that's, uh, I, I just think he's, he's very good at what he does. And I, you know, I, I think, um, if I, mean, I can go into more details, happy to, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's very powerful. And, and also some other friends that have used them have really enjoyed him and, and liked his work and, and have had great results as well. But there's, you know, I, I don't like to attribute like one thing or person or whatnot. And I wouldn't, I can't say like, Oh, Elliot Rowe changed my life. But listen, Elliot Rowe 
is a part of my team. You know, like in terms of organization, let's say you have an assistant, you have you know, Vadrin. I can name like five or six people that are eminent, like it's so important to my overall um, routine of, of, of being on track. So, you know, Elliot Rowe is definitely a part of my team in that sense that, you know, I feel he adds tremendous value and I feel that he is part of what is able to direct me and keep me in line on things, right? Like he makes me realize certain things or when I have a big decision or I have, uh, you know, something that is a, is a, to talk it out loud. There's sometimes where I look at it and I think it's close and then I'll talk to him. Then I'll actually have a decision and it's really not close. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy that I wasn't able to think about it that way or view it that way when it, you know, I'll give an, I'll give two examples, but one was last summer, you know, I came in my, I had, my son was born, um, on April 22nd. So it was near the world series. I was already accepted the fact that I wasn't going to be going to the world series really. Right. Like that this was basically, I'd be at home, but maybe I'd go for like two trips. So I actually went to his mastermind course for a weekend and I was going to have like a five day trip or four day trip or whatever. Uh, and I get to come in, I was originally going to play a $1,500 tournament. Um, cause I, I, I was like pretty upset. You know, this was the first summer I wasn't going to play the schedule. I wasn't just going to be out there and play everything and have my family there. And my wife didn't want to be in Vegas. Um, for the summer with the baby, it makes sense and whatever. And also, it was too young to travel anyway, unless we had had sure. a baby in Vegas. So I go out there and I'm like, all right, Elliot, I'm going to play this $1,500 tournament. Uh, and if I make day three, I might miss your first day of course, but this is what I want to do. Or even day two, I think it was. And, he, and then I said, but I have another option. I could play a cash game, like a pretty big cash game. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, then that way I guarantee make your course. Plus, he was basically like, what's your expected value, do you think, in the cash game? Uh, your EV. And I started thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, I think it's this. And he's like, what do you think you're expecting value in the tournament? I was like, well, you know, yeah, obviously it's way different. It was like 300, 600 in a limit game that was pretty soft or a $1,500 WSOP that would be soft. But like, what? Min- what's going to happen? You're not going to cash. You're going to min cash or maybe like sort of cash. And like, you know, I have to like final table to hit like an expected value of right. like a session basically. And yeah, of course you could lose a lot though in the cash game. But the point being, like, I was looking at it from this way. I was like, I literally was on the fence. I had a YouTube vlog about it, and I was going out there, and I wasn't sure. And then I talked to him, and I actually did his class. And it was just funny. Like, I sat down. I actually had a really good win in the cash game. And it's just, like, little things like that where it's, like, kind of, if you talk out loud, it's sort of, like, silly. But in my head, I'm just saying, well, I want to, you know, I want to have a WSOP cash on my thing. I just keep sure. going. I'm not going to play any tournaments. I have a chance to win a bracelet. But realistically, in, like, a 15 or 2,000-person field, you know, what am I doing? I'm going to sit there and play a 1500 when I, you know, I made, and, and then I also missed the course probably mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. So stuff like that. Um, and, and also just talking about results. I actually had my first two losing world series in 2017 and 18. And then I saw that was part of like when I want to talk to him and then my friend who recommended him, we started thinking, cause I was like, wait, it's weird. Like I'm actually, I'm a better poker player for sure with doing like razor edge and some studying and just in general, I know I'm a much better player than I was even a few years ago. And I had won at the WSOP for every year. So like 10 plus like eight, nine, 10 years, whatever I've been out there, I had winning tournament summers. Okay. And this last two, I, I had losing overall tournament summers. And I was like, that's weird, right? Variance, it right. could be a number of different things. But I started thinking what's different. What has changed? Why is there any reason this is happening? And I started talking to my audience. Like, and I realized like I'm going to every, in 2017, what happened? I started a YouTube vlog in the summer, and, and I realized I was going late to tournaments. Mm. I was not focused really. I was doing all this stuff, and, and sort of realizing like, and he said, you know what? That's okay, but 
you need to understand that. It's one thing to be aware and present of what's happening and then make a decision. It's another to be oblivious and just like not know. So he says, listen, if you go to a tournament and you're going to be on your late or you're going to be on your phone and not super present and, and go late, like that's okay. But realize what are you getting from that? What value are you getting? What is your choice? And then be accepted. You know, so like there's sort of a realization that, yeah, there's a reason I'm late. There's a, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm coming three, four hours late and he's one case, two case, five case. And I'm coming with like 30, 40 blinds, 20 blinds, 15 blinds, whatever it is. And I mean, that's, you know, what do you expect? Like it's going to do, you get all in, you flip, you, you lose ace, king, ace, queen one time you're out or whatever. Um, versus like back in the previous years, I had been there early on time. Mm-hmm. I'm super deep. Get picking up easy money, um, but so it helped to sort of bring things into focus, I guess. Bring it to perspective, weigh it out, make a choice, but also be aware and, and decide. You know, is today the day you're focused? You're off your phone, you're dialed in, you're going for the winners. Is today you're coming late, you're doing some other business stuff, you're on the phone, but you'll make a vlog, you'll whatever, but it's not going to be your best. And so be aware of that, right. at least. So that, sure. that kind of stuff. But yeah, for sure. I hope I hope we have time for two more questions. Does that sound okay? Yep. Awesome. Okay. So I visited your site. Uh, jeffgrosspoker.com. So first of yep. all, holy crap, incredible site. It's so slick. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, it's, uh, you know, your, your portfolio, uh, we spoke a little bit uh, offline. Your portfolio is just incredibly impressive. The website is stellar. Um, and, and I almost think like as, as well known as you are, it almost seems like the amount of work you do somehow flies under the radar. I think what people see publicly as much as you do, I think it's only the tip of the iceberg. So that, that's just my hunch, and, and I, I think that's the right, and, and really, kudos to you. Um, but I will say, it's probably, there's only so much that one individual can do. There's only 24 hours in a day. Uh, I know you got a, a webmaster. I saw their shout-out to Vedran. But imagine, I imagine there's sort of like a Jeff Gross team. You mentioned the concept of team that sort of helps the show flow. So, so what sort of folks does Jeff Gross want and hire to be on his team? Yeah, so for sure, there's there's just no no question that this is not possible. Like I wouldn't have a Twitch without Vadrian. Um, you know, I could find someone else, maybe, or I would, right? I would find someone else, but would they be as good? Would I be able to do as much? Um, very unlikely, and I'm very realistic that you know I have Ghost of M, Marco, great moderator who helps with clips and organization. You know, I think it's always, I think it takes money to make money. I really believe that, and I believe um, you know some of the biggest things about Twitch is as well, like people. What is Twitch? People ask me, I get this all the time. How much money do you make on Twitch? How much money do you make on YouTube? Well, it's not really much and it's not about it because like the actual money is from affiliate links, from deals, party poker, getting commentator, you know, Triton deal um, with, with commentating, like all these other things come from visibility, work ethic, and just sort of being visible, right? So it's like the, the you can't really quantify, like if you're in it, if you want to start streaming on Twitch to make money from Twitch, it's not really what the case is. So I'll get a little sidetracked there, but this is what these guys are able me to do. Cause in a written, Jamie and I talk about it all the time and part of, part of what they do is they really help us with this. Like they get us a YouTube, they, they give us budget for having YouTube video people. They give us budget to take care of some of the, our, our costs for the, the people that we have on our team. But you know, for, for, um, for what do you call it moderators for um you know like vagrant so these type of things like they are what is the way like i look at like a gary vaynerchuk who i'm sure you're familiar with sure yeah yeah absolutely like you know he has like so one of his good friends and business people he's with is one of my really close friends jason Kuntz, the not coon but jason Kuntz, the sure. guy that 
fifth in the uh, PSPC for 1.3 million and also works with Elliot. I had a piece of him in that. He came down. Uh, we're, we're good buddies and, and he's like the guy in sports card collecting. But he, you know, he was telling me, dude, Gary has like 60 something people on his team. You know, he's, and wow. he's just a machine. But like, that's the thing. He's like, you know, oh, when he, when he first hires someone, like, oh, it costs X amount more a year. Well, what, what other output can you get on that? Like, are you, what, what are you able to do that you couldn't do? with having some extra people on a team. So, you know, like those are you know, my wife, of course, um, being very supportive and understanding and, and uh, everything. But so like in terms of actual, you know, like Vadrin, who does basically, you know, built a website, helps me get set up on Twitch, does the graphics, does the Instagram stories, all that. And Ghost of M provides the clips, moderates. Uh, I have an assistant. I have a, a spreadsheet, someone who does all my numbers for games and things and sort of keeps mm-hmm. track of numbers. So you know, these are things that I think are a basic needed to, to be organized and give a chance because it's hard. You stream 10, 12 hours and then there's still a lot of other work that has to be done. Organize sure. the clips out, do the giveaways, you know, of course, Colette at Party Poker, Rob Young. I can name a bunch of names at Party and people that are supportive and, and sort of help things move move smoothly. But, you know, there is people that really assist and help on stuff. And you know, at the same time, though, I'm on it. Like, I look at stuff. I follow up. I watch other streams. I take notes. I make adjustments. I, like, I don't like this picture. I don't like how this looks. I want to change mm-hmm. the banner. I want to have this on the scrolling. I want to have this affiliate deal set up. So, like, I'm on top of it. But there is a lot of uh, help along the way in, in terms of organizing and, and doing stuff. For sure. So a last question then, also similar, just, you know, a little bit more personal. And, you know, I know you've mentioned these names. You've mentioned, you know, well, I'll say it like this. You, you're known within the professional poker community as the PBF, the, the professional best friend. And, you know, you've mentioned friendships with your guy, you know, with guys like Brian Rast, Bill Perkins, Antonio, Phil Locke, uh, Michael Phelps. And it's all well documented. You know, you're a wonderful guy. I personally really enjoyed getting to know you better over the course of this conversation. So my question is. What sort of personal qualities are endearing to you that make you want to be someone's friend? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm I'm definitely known as a positive person. You know, I think I really I want to in poker. I've met a lot of my closest friends through poker, directly or indirectly. Um, but really, just you know, being positive. I'm one of those guys. If something bad or something not ideal happens, I'll, I'll find a way to sort of put a positive spin on it. Uh, I just feel like I'm high energy. I like to make light of things. You know, people can rely on me. The, the PBF professional best friend is kind of like, it's like I always have stuff. If you need something done, you know, I just, I'm very accountable, reliable. I show up. Someone's a birthday, a wedding. You know, I find a way. I make it. Um, and I just, I just feel like uh, it's one of those things to be accountability. Like people can really trust me. You know, for example, um, you know, Antonio and I do business together, uh, whether it's some pieces or swaps or we have different numbers or whatever. And like there was a, just, this is just, I mean, again, this isn't to be commended. This is just like, Part of what you expect with your people you trust, like there's a mistake or someone makes a thing or they have a thing like I, you know, 20 grand or an error. Like I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna come forward. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on top of it. I'm not gonna, you know, I, I just account for everything. I'm, I'm thorough. I'm trusted, and and you know, I just think that's uh, those are the kind of qualities that most people have fundamentally are, are good people and, and mean well. It's just like at the end of the day, it's like showing up is a big part of the battle. Like if uh, mm. someone's birthdays, sending gift. Like I just I just like to to be on top of it and be the best version um, of myself and be positive and, and, and encouraging. I think also people understand that I want everyone to win. You know, I like it. I want my friends to do well. I'm there. I'm celebrating people's successes. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, if they have a tough, if they go through a tough time, I have their back show up, showing up. And I think that's a, a big part of it is just being there um, consistently for people. 
That's awesome. And, I, and you know, clearly you surround yourself with similar minded people and that's just wonderful. And, and you certainly showed up today. So uh, before we let you go, anything else you'd like to, to share with the chart, uh, Cards Chat community? I say if you guys want to, you know, chat, hang out live, Twitch is where you can find me uh, regularly. I stream at jeffgrosspoker.tv and my, my handle across the board is jeffgrosspoker. So Twitter, Instagram, uh, Twitch, YouTube. I have a YouTube content highlights and vlogs as well. So, but on Twitch, you can actually type, excuse me, you can type directly. You know, I, I'll see your comments and I can reply on video. It's on this slight delay, obviously, so people can't see the cards. I'm going to be streaming a lot. Party Poker July 17th till September 8th has $100 million guarantees of events on WPT. Uh, we can actually be a WPT champion. So I will be playing those events and you can watch me play and talk to me. So that uh, that is, uh, if you want to chat or know more, happy to answer questions as well as the cards chat, AMA, ask me anything form. And I'm uh, pretty visible. You know, I, I, I keep an eye on stuff and Twitter and and, and Instagram and messages and try to reply as much as I can. And again, I, I know that I can get better at poker. So and I also know I can help people at poker. So I think it's a, it's a fun way where I get in Twitch, you get to learn from me, but also watch me, you know, learn and show uncomfortability in spots that I want to improve on. So it's uh, it's fun. It's a fun way to, to uh, develop, um, you know, poker together. So that, that's a place you can do it and, and be a part of it. Awesome. Jeff, thank you really very, very much. Really, truly enjoyed it. And and thanks uh, to everyone for listening. This has the, been the first episode ever of Cards Chat. Uh, I'm Robbie Straczynski, and you can follow me on Twitter at CardFlareLife. Have a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.